0: And welcome to Sustain, the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source for the long haul. Who are we? Where did we come from? Where are we going? Should we have more doctorates in math on this podcast? Interesting questions today. Very excited to get into them. First, I want to make sure you know who we are—the voices behind the podcast—and then we'll introduce our amazing guest. I'm Richard Litauer, your host. Hello, everyone. We also have Justin Dorfman on the call. JD, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm Good. Ben Nichols, how are you doing? I'm good. Don't shirk the question. How are you doing? Ah, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty good. Uh, was I shouting the question? No, don't shirk. Ooh, interesting. Okay, cool. Shirk, Eric Berry. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. And uh, word on the street is that you're doing pretty good too there, Richard.
0: I'm doing okay. Too much coffee, but that is all right. We have an excellent guest on today to talk about some really cool stuff. Rodrigo Mendoza is joining us. Rodrigo Mendoza is the founder and CEO of Quine, which is a data-driven professional network for software creators and also of GitNFT, an NFT minting platform for GitHub commits. Rodrigo earned his PhD in mathematics from the University of Oxford in 2017. Yes, that means he is very smart. Soon after, he joined Oxford's engineering department to pursue postdoctoral research in neural network verification and program induction. I honestly don't know what program induction means. In the past 10 years, Rodrigo has held data science positions at startups, at government labs, and investment funds. His interests now lie at the intersection of OSS, Web3, and the future of work, which makes sense and is probably why he is here on this podcast. Rodrigo, how are you doing today? I'm very well, Richard. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for coming on the show. Okay, so you have done a lot of stuff. I want to know, first off, what Quine is. Sure. There are really like two ways to understand Quine.
2: One is from uh, the technical problem we're solving. The other one is from our mission as a company. I guess our mission as a company is we want to maximize the GDP of software creators, This is borrowing from a Stripes language. We think that coding is a superpower. If you can code, then you should be able to monetize your skill in a way that is very easy and very fluid. So the overarching mission of the company and the technical problem we're solving essentially is that of experience quantification of developers. Software developers or software creators, as we like to call them, are a very unique type of professional. When they work, they naturally produce data as a byproduct of their work, right? Like this data is like code, metadata, social interactions. Most of the time, this data ends up living in a public or private repositories in the cloud. And we think that quantifying this data is very important for several things. One of them is unlocking systematized talent allocation. But also we have some very ambitious ideas here on how we can use this to serve open source as a community We think the problem of experience quantification has very strong implications in the maintainer problem in open source and also in helping open source transition into a fully fledged creator economy. So,
0: yeah, I don't know whether that makes sense, but uh, happy to answer any question. It does make sense. And I really like that. I think it's cool that you're trying to help coders be able to work better. My immediate question is more of an economics one, I suppose. I could look at, say, someone who works on a farm and they may go around and they may feed the chickens and they may feed the cows and they may shovel manure. This is all important. And if they wrote down, I do these things, that's also data. And so they also generate data. Why shouldn't they also be able to monetize their things? In another way, we also think of students. Students take tests and we use the test to sort of judge their qualities why shouldn't that also be monetized? Why are you focusing on open source and software developers in particular? It is definitely the case that all professions
2: should be able to synthesize that experience data in a quantitative way. Right now, we find that software developers are maybe like the profession in which it is both easier to kind of do this and also the profession of software developer in the current economy is one of like the most high value type of professions. Essentially, we think that by focusing on software developers, we're in a way focusing on everyone at the same time because the barriers of entry into software development are so low right now. You can definitely like learn the skills online. You, you can essentially like train yourself to be a developer in any different way. Then, you know, like we think that so software development is the job of the future. It's going to be the one of the most like valuable uh, jobs around in the next few decades. So uh, it just makes sense to first focus on software developers. I mean, the, the problem is already pretty ambitious. So trying to do it for every profession, it's just something that I guess is outside of the scope of our
0: capability, right? So we we, we are Word developers, we love code, so we want to focus on something. Relevant. Outside the scope sounds right to me. That's a really good answer. More annoying question than that one. How are you not just a subset of LinkedIn? What's different about your platform? First of all, we think that current professional profiles essentially
2: don't don't really make justice to software creators, right? Like LinkedIn, essentially, how we right now, it, LinkedIn is a bragging game. People like to brag about the status they have by, I don't know, like a big employee in a particular company. It also focuses on, I would say, like high-level labels. So in a way, what role you have in a company might mean a completely different thing from company to company. And in the case of software developers, we think that is especially unfair. Like, software developers are a multidimensional type of professional. The current market tends to reduce developers to, like, a small set of labels, like front-end, Python, Django, whatever. But really, like, there is so much texture and so much experience that it's just not possible to sort of have a professional profile like like LinkedIn that, that is able to capture this texture and this granularity of skill. So we think in particular that, that, yeah, for software creators, it is essentially their work that should be able to speak for themselves. It's not necessarily like what status you at a company or what position it is. What have you created? What have you worked and what do you know? A lot of this information can be inferred directly from data, but at the moment leads in open source. You mentioned before, like why open source? So we think of open source, like the professional network of the future. Open source is really special. In that, if we think about how, you know, how education has changed, m- maybe in the past four decades, to be able to uh, to program a computer back in the 1980s, 1990s, you probably need a, a degree from like Stanford or something. Really, right? like, you really need to be like super specialized, super technical. Potentially in the 2000s, you you could get some of the skills through a type of boot camp. Last decade, maybe like micro certificates were were quite big how we see this trending is we think open source contributions are essentially going to be micro certificates of skill considering open source is the best possible way to stand out from your peers like definitely it's not much easier to jump into a software career just by learning online but it's at the same time much more difficult to stand out and we think here that open source is the best tool that the community will have to uh, to stand out and, and to create something that is meaningful. Also, this really deep economic problem education in which there is so much work that just gets lost in the training of an individual. If you think about it, like someone that goes to standard education, they go through a high school, I don't know, like a college, maybe even like graduate school, and they're all like working very, very hard to acquire that skill. What we think open source offers is a way to learn, but at the same time, transform that work you're investing in learning to also give something to the community. So what we think open source is a really special place in this sense. We think it can indeed convert into a special type of learn platform. is if, if equipped with the right technologies. And in a way, like the, one way to think about it is open source contributions are really proof of work of skills. And what we're doing at Quali is we're building a machine learning powered validator. We're essentially like that type of entity that takes the contribution and transforms it into a quantitative, visual granular certificate
3: of skill. So I couldn't agree more with what you've just described there. I think open source in general has arguably lifted the entire generation in terms of upward social mobility. And I think my major kind of concern is that it's, it's kind of often based on privilege, but that it's also inclusive of a, a kind of singular set of skills. And I'm just wondering, what are you doing or are you thinking about how to kind of broaden that and involve kind of more types of contribution that aren't necessarily just code or what pathways you could create to kind of bring more people into open source to kind of distribute that opportunity to more people.
2: I think it's a very important problem. In the past few years, it has been normalized that code contributions are not the only ones that people should be working on, right? There are many other contributions, like documentation type of contributions, like maybe like design type of contributions, I don't know, like graphics, etc. So I think the solution to this problem will come naturally with respect of like more companies, more organizations, and more communities leveraging on open source. To work in a distributed and collaborative way. I like to think that open source is still in its early stages. It has, of course, been around for a number of decades, but it's only in the last decade that GitHub really unlocked a community around it, kind of like social type of capital in, in respect to contributions to create repositories. So it is definitely the case that we can find more and more repositories that are, I would say, first of all, like non code specific, for example. But it's also the case that with the, maybe with the advent of like crypto and, and DAOs, you know, more and more companies decide to build in the open and repositories become not only a repository of code, but a repository of other things where other people can chip in with, with stuff. that be data, it can be a design, it, it can be like a documentation, et cetera. So we think this is something that will come naturally in the system. And what we're doing here is the whole point of us wanting to quantify the experience is we think open source, in order for it to succeed, it has to be treated as a creator economy. And really, open source has the same problems it has in terms of like it has problems around attention, it has problems around monetization, it has problems around content creation, content consumption, etc., so one of the ways we think we can, I would say, remove frictions in content creation and content consumption is by quantifying experience and kind of increasing the relevance. For example, when a person receives a, as a recommendation in open source. So if you go to the product right now, the product right now is a recommendation system for open source projects. It's a recommendation system that automatically learns from your GitHub activity and kind of like highlights those projects that we feel might be the most interesting for you. One of the things we're working towards is on kind of, I want to say, making those recommendations more biased toward the repositories that need the most help. So sort of like repositories that maybe are the most open to continue contributors so that people can kind of like more easily become open source contributors or like just started their
0: journey in open source. I really like those answers. I'm really excited for how Quine works. It sounds really cool. I like the idea of your optimism in ML being able to solve market issues. That is great. I feel like there's not enough optimism in the world. And so seeing more of it is lovely. You are not only working on Quine. You're also a postdoc. You also are a grand chess master. Well, you like playing chess anyway. So, but (laughs) another thing you work on is Git NFT. I want to know more about what Git NFT is. NFTs are really controversial. And they're really weird. And for listeners who want to check out, you are free to do so. But I encourage you to hang on because you have an opportunity here to learn why NFTs might help the problem as opposed to not solving it. So first, what is Git NFT and how does it work? Git NFT really is, is part of coin,
2: So we like to market it as a different product because of, of how different it is. But in reality, it's uh, one other product of the company. We kind of started working on NST, or at least started thinking about it early this year. The crypto world was essentially like picking up a lot of momentum. And there was a lot of conversation around NFTs. At the beginning, I guess it was not evident what NFTs could do or what NFTs were, but under the context of open source of a crypto economy, then evidence type of thing that we think should exist for, for the benefit of maintenance and open source. So GitNST is a platform. Is a minting tool in which software creators can mint NFTs of their open source GitHub commits and automatically sell them. In the open scene marketplace as art. So that sounds uh, a, a little bit high level, but what DTLFT lets developers do is precisely like at no cost at all. And, and this is something that we're very proud of. Like we designed DTLFT in a way in which the developer doesn't have to pay for any meeting fees or any extra like crypto type of fees for meeting at the meet. Developers can just immortalize their work in open source. We were very pleased. When we're about to release it, uh, that, that we heard Tim Berners-Lee was NFTing the code of the World Wide Web and, and selling it a uh, Softube. So we, we definitely took that as an indication that we were working in the right direction and that it made sense to democratize this type of this type of tool. With respect to like why get NFT or you know like why the we care. There are a number of reasons. First of all, is the easy monetization reason. So we think NFTs can be a very interesting vehicle for people to give back to the contributors that have created the open source over which I would say like the economy stands. The minimum value in ST here is, it's often the case that when people donate to open source and yeah, like m- maybe they will get like a avatar in the in their Patreon account. First of all, it's much, much more cooler is when you donate to open source, you can get back this NFT certificate of your donation. We think this is kind essentially the donator like highlight, I guess, his her taste in, in open source projects, in code, etc. Secondly, we think we're already at a stage at which some open source contributions can be considered having historical significance or historical value. There's some open source that maybe been re- has been written like a number of years ago. It's already part of our digital infrastructure and kind of like World Wide Web, it it can be argued that it can become a collector item. So with respect to sort of, I would say, thinking about code as art, we think that NFT based on a commit can have a value based on historical significance or even based on the aesthetics or coolness of the code. So yeah, we released NFT back in August. We're still bootstrapping the community. We're still activating the project. And we're really thinking about the next iteration of nst. We think that in the next iteration, a central part of it will, will be to not only reward the authors of the commits, but also rewarding the maintainers of the repositories where that commit lives. So kind of like making it like a big, more fair, by the distribution model. And yeah, we will have a, a number of other things that we're we're thinking about and uh, we'll be sharing next year when we release a B2. Cool.
4: You bring up community. And why do you think... Some people in our industry or our community are so hostile towards NFTs and Web3 as a whole. What gets them so riled up?
2: With respect to NFTs, I would say that, I mean, I, I think this is true for NFTs and, and crypto in general, is that, of course, like the open source community and developers are a very critical community. They really raise some things out a lot. They definitely always, I would say, uh, question like ulterior motives and I think the problem here is that NFTs are sometimes a scam or people yeah. got them as a scam. And it's not only the NFTs, it's also like cryptocurrencies. It's like a uh, cryptocurrency with a very nice, cute dog on it. And then uh, it all of a sudden it just jumps up and then people dump it. And then someone, we don't know who, but someone made millions out of that. Right? So I think very reasonably, and many people are upset about potentially like how many Non-technical people have lost money or have been scammed by this type of projects. That's completely understandable. And I think that's not a reason to neglect what's happening in the markets. It is the market that's going to decide whether NFTs are a thing or not. Even if we don't like it, it's kind of like consumers and users and NFT projects that at the moment are like challenging the economy and challenging users and trying to, I would say, to stay here for the long term one of the main things we're hearing from people in the community is we get a lot of rage because people think that we are minting nfts of other people's commits i think that's a fundamental misunderstanding of NFT and uh, of the platform itself what we're doing here is just allowing developers and allowing open source creators to mint NFTs of their own commits on GitHub and to keep the NST for themselves. So once people mint an NFT from NST, they just, they keep it. I mean, it's their own, they're free to sell it, they're free to give it away. They're free to like do nothing with it. So uh, Git NFT here is just like that, essentially like between a developer that wants to, I would say immortalize her work and yeah, like the blockchains that will end up holding those, those particular assets. We've also got some comments about, and this is in particular for members of the crypto community, in which they say that they don't believe in NFTs or they they just don't want to know anything about NFTs because they think they are creating new ways of consumerism. I think that's also true in some way. Like the utility of some NFTs is ill-defined, to say the least, right? It is definitely like there are a number of NFT projects in which I would never put a penny on them. We think NFT is different. First of all, because first of all, there is no one at the back that is kind of uh, absorbing all the profits from NFTs. Secondly, what we're doing here is we're just unlocking a new monetization mechanism for open source. Right, like the money you put in in goes directly to the author of the commit that underlies that that DTNFT. So part of our long-term vision here is to kind of like also start thinking about. We want to flip the script in the way open source monetizes. It's really sad that like we're talking about donations for open source. Donations is like, it is.
4: this is not a... It's pocket change. I know very popular maintainers that do work on top projects that make very little money, like poverty. So it, this is sad. Open source is not a charity. It shouldn't be a charity. Right. What we want to do here is flip the script and be like,
2: Donating on open source can even become an investment opportunity. There is upside for the person that donates, and there's also upside for the creator. One of the cool things in our contract is that the creator gets a percentage every time that NFT gets slipped. If someone is creating like a very cool commit or whatever, then every time that NFT changes, hands, the creator will get a percentage of that transaction, which we think is fair. And we think also incentivizes, I think also open source career to think about contributing to open source in a different way. We don't know how open source contribution will look like if all of a sudden we start attributing monetary value to, uh, I don't know, like the coolness of the community message, like the, the efficiency of the code, the beauty of the code around the discussion and the pull
0: request. There is so much things right now that have value. It's just about the value is not captured anywhere. I, I have to push back and I have to push back because I'm really interested in how you're thinking and, and how you justify it. So I am not filled with rage, but I am definitely someone who doesn't like NFTs. And that's just how it is for me. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just going to say I personally don't like it very much. And one of the reasons why is, is I'm really curious how you deal with the internal, what I see as conflict between you're putting all of the ethics on the market. You're saying the market's going to decide, the market's going to decide whether it's working, but you're also saying the market is broken. And it's really funny that you're saying two things at the same time. One of them is that, well, we're just trying to make another way for people to make money, but also, well, the way that it currently works doesn't work, which is why we're making new things. And I see that as, as being two stories that like don't make sense together. Because if, if you're justifying the market, then people lose out on open source. They shouldn't contribute. That f- more fool them. It's probably the, the reason why we're both discussing
2: NFTs and Git NFTs. Uh, I think that my opinion changes slightly from one to the other. And I have mm-hmm. an opinion on both. But, you know, like uh, the way we have to think about them is different. With respect to NFTs, of course, there's like very low ethics in allowing scams going on online. And that shouldn't happen market is still early so of course like uh, some projects can still get away with it for the case of git nft we just don't think there is an ethics problem there because it's really like the content that is being minted belongs to the person that is minting it and we can just think about it as a donation it's just a donation that gives you back an nft for you to to show it around put in your profile to show people that you're donating to open ssl or whatever like coral etc so we think the, for the case of, of Git NFTs, all we're doing right now is rephrasing open source donations in the language of NFTs. What we would like to see it in the future is seeing these Git NFTs capturing a value that wasn't captured before. And and, and this value, at the end of the day, is going to go back to the creators, it's going to go back to the contributors. We think that as long as that value is channeled back to, to the creator, and as long as I don't know like a coin as a, as an entity don't uh, don't take uh, data that don't, doesn't belong to us, then it's only upside for everyone right It's
3: just essentially a new way to make money. So I don't want to follow up and just have everybody state their position on nfts as a panelist, but I just kind of wanted to say that for me, I haven't decided, but I always find it very difficult to see anything in the nft marketplace as different from the art marketplace. There are a lot of people who, Ripping people off there are some people who spend a lot of money who don't really necessarily benefit or gain anything from that particular transaction read like people who spend a lot of money on artworks that are then on long-term loan in museums and so on and it seems I think in this particular instance there is a significant opportunity for open source contributors to effectively sell a byproduct of their contribution and if you look at it just from The perspective of trying to support those creators and offer them a new way of being able to support their work. I'm here for it. A lot of the issues that we see in marketplaces like this is around trust, and it's effectively like trust with the auction house themselves, right? So, get NFT is effectively in this position, the auction house, and that's where a lot of the trust resides. So, I wonder whether you could talk a little bit about like some of the issues that you've had with Git NFT and how that conversation has gone, because I think that might be something that's worth just addressing and talking about your experiences with. So first of all, to clarify,
2: Coin uh, is not an auction house; it's just the minting house. Like we are leaving the auctioning to the creator, right? The Git NFT automatically goes to OpenSea. And then the person there has complete control and complete, like I would say, power to do with it whatever they want. Like they can sell it for a price tag, or they can start an auction on it. So yeah, like we really don't don't feel in a position in which we're entitled to like take control of the of the market either. We of course want to help creators sell their NFTs, but we don't want to control the supply or or anything like this, right? So trust essentially is is a social and a community problem. So I, I think we'll only acquire that trust in terms of with respect to like members of the community, trusting Quine as essentially the, the organization or the community or the network that uh, is able to sort of like do, do that minting process and channel it to an um, to an auction house in a language. So yeah, since since we launched, we have been talking to a number of developers, and I mean like the, the collection now includes uh, commits from quite a few projects. But we have NFTs from uh, Bitcoin Core, we, we have some from MetaMask, and we also have had uh, Max Howell, the creator of Homebrew, minting the first commit of Homebrew. So there is definitely some market appetite, at least on the supply side, to sort of give this thing a try and you know, like like try try to monetize creations and and open source contributions and what we're still of course like working on is on incubating the network and building the trust to a degree in which the supply side is fluid enough to start catalyzing demand side by itself so at the moment we're actually very interested to talk with open source maintainers or people that kind of like are struggling to monetize from their open source repositories i think it's this opportunity to just talk to the maintainers listening to this but we're in the presence of planning a version two of, of BitNFT and a version that is focused on maintainer monetization, apart from a contributor monetization. So uh, we're definitely interested to like, be talking to the maintainers and work out what is the best way for BitNFT to serve the communities. BitNFT is helpful, not in terms of w- w- will be successful, not in terms of how many BitNFTs are needed, but in terms of like how many communities... Get economic support through Git and So at the moment, we see ourselves as essentially learning from the learning from the communities in the process of incubating this project even further. We're not in a in a rush to do a being a position like CryptoPunks or something. which we just feel feeling the project with I would say you know like crypto scavengers in a way. We want the project to become real utility. We want people buying Git NFTs to buy them because they really understand where that money is going rather than than just like people wanting to flip uh, NSTs here and there to make a profit, right? So in that sense, we've been taking our time a little bit with incubation of the project, but we think that is a good thing. I think that next year, a bunch of these scammy NST projects will just go down. People will find out that some NSTs are indeed a scam. A lot of money is it, going to leave the space. Just as it happened in 2017, the projects with real utility would remain We'll be able to learn from this iteration and we'll be able to like go up or down, right? And what we're doing now is we're optimizing for utility rather than optimizing for having uh, a number of sales or a number of buyers, et cetera. So we're still in the process of defining the utility and defining like how we V10FT, how we fts can make a community better. So that's essentially our main goal with v
4: I think you make a great point. Some compare the current state of NFTs to like the tulip mania of 1637. And my answer to them is, yeah, once the bubble pops, people still bought tulips, just not at 10X the price. So I do think that there is life after this mania because it's not going to be like this forever. It's just not. It's been proven over and over. So
0: I have the opposite feeling, but that's okay. That's what we're here for. We are here for discussion. I don't want to go into mine in too much detail because I am running up on time. Eric, you haven't said much this podcast and you have a question. Is it short? Because we do need to wrap up.
1: I've really enjoyed this conversation. I came into this show today with a lot of thoughts about how I feel about the Git NFT and NFTs overall, and I don't want to get into that too much, but I do want to just say some of the things that I really love about this project. I had a hard time understanding the creation of monetary value over these. But the one thing that I do really like is that you've created a way for people to memorialize something that was important in their life, a commit that was important to them. I remember the first time when one of my posts was on the front page of Hacker News, I took a screenshot of that and it means a lot to me. And I imagine that people who are Contributors, maybe they're the first commit to Rails or Python or some amazing project, and they're really proud of that. And what you've created is a way for developers to go in and essentially make that something that's permanent that they own for free. I commend you for that. I think that is really the true story of what NFT does. And I think that the monetization is, I mean, even though we'd all love to see that being the case. I think that the real unspoken value here is that you can create a full history of your own commits that meant something to you. And I think that's really important that should be stated in this show.
2: And that's all I got. Thank you very much, Eric. Indeed, in the case of b nfts they are valuable in terms of like how much they are valuable for the creator. One of the cool things the platform has is when the NFT gets minted, we give the creator 250 characters to write something about that commit. Some people write some jokes. Some people write like why that commit an impression on them or, or what it meant for their professional career. I don't want to like say too much about the next version, but one of the tweaks we might be giving it. NFT is uh, starting to treat it as well as a micro certificates of skill. We talked about this at the beginning of the call. the future of professional identity. If Web3 is right, it's, it's a decentralized future. So it, it just doesn't make any sense for a web to company to like hold all that experience information inside the private servers by in contributions as a micro certificate. But you know, essentially, we're also like, uh, I would say, helping developers decentralize their professional identity and, and kind of uh, making it interoperable. We might see in the next few years in the metaverse. So that's essentially one of the directions we're thinking about for BitNFT. The market MVP of BitNFTs is art but there's like really a number of applications that people are already starting to, to talk about for the near future. And for our case, one of the things we think thinking Git NFT will be exceptional for is really for providing skill certificates, proof that you're something and something you can use to validate skills, get better jobs, get better opportunities, monetize at your market rate,
0: keep coding essentially. Thank you so much. Thank you, Eric, for wrapping it up so nicely. Thank you, Rodrigo, for sharing with us about this new way to get maintainers money, which we're all here for. So that's the best. Where can people follow up with you? Where can they learn more about Quine? Where can they follow you on Twitter? My Twitter handle is R0DMS. They can also follow Quine's
2: Twitter handle, which is Quine underscore SH. And we also have a, a Twitter handle for b which is just b We were early enough to snap that Twitter handle. So yeah. We will be posting updates. I mean, by the way, Quine is still a little bit flying under the radar. We haven't really yet announced the platform and stuff, but like we'll, very soon we will be making some big announcements and pushing like much more updates than, than we have. Like we were working a little bit on stealth mode this last year,
0: but now we kind of want to start working a bit more in the open. Awesome. Thank you so much. Now is the time of the show for Spotlight. Spotlight is where we point out people, things, NFTs, what have you, that have helped us, improved our lives, or we just think needs a little bit of love. Ben Nichols, you look the most contemplative. What is your Spotlight today?
3: Just because we've spoken a little bit about introducing and kind of bringing people into open source, I wanted to give Exorcism a shout out, exorcism.org. It is a platform for people to mentor new programmers and for people to kind of get into software programming. I think it's about 55 different programming languages covered. So yeah, I just wanted to cover that because I think they've released a recent update in the last three months or so, and they've got a lot of good traction. They're doing some good work.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Eric Berry, what is yours?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say the Firefox Developer Edition for their CSS Flexbox and Grid tooling. If you do front-end work, those tools are incredible and you can't get them in the Chrome-based browsers. So Firefox Dev Edition.
0: Thank you so much.
4: Justin Dorfman. There's a Git NFT discussion on our discourse. This is how this all started. and. You can join the conversation at j.mp sustain dash get NFT. And yeah, see you there.
0: Love it. My shout out goes to Concerta. Concerta is a long release Ritalin like product that helps people with ADHD focus. I don't know if I have ADHD, but I'm actively working with a psychiatric nurse practitioner to figure out what drugs may work for me. And I want to normalize people working on their biochemistry to figure out how they can focus more and be better people. And so I figured I would just give a shout out to that. Been trying for the last week, and I really can't say anything because of confirmation bias and new processes. It always makes me feel good and focus better, but it does seem to help. So, Concerta, Rodrigo, what is yours? So, uh, mine is, is a project called Bioconductor, which was the first
2: open source project I use in the professional setting. It's like an R, a community for like bioinformatics, and yeah, like. In my first job, it just saved me so many times. So I want to send them kudos. I used it back in 2009, 2010. So I don't know whether there's still as active as before, but yeah, thanks for that. Awesome.
0: Rodrigo, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Let us know how it's going. People who are listening, thank you so much for listening. If you want to talk about git NFT, if you want to talk about NFTs, if you want to talk about helping maintainers out and building better resources for the market of open source, discourse.sustainoss.org is probably the best place to talk to other people in the Sustained community. We also have a Twitter. We also have this podcast. If you want to come on and offer retorts or follow-ups or your own awesome thing, please reach out. Again, Rodrigo, thank you so much. Best of luck and take care. Thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed the conversation.